<laughs> you know, it's true. Not all, uh, you know, showers versus growers. Dennis, yeah. happy hour to you. Happy, thank God it's here. Oh, what a day. Here we are, man. Oof. It's out of like, sorts uh, all day. Out of sorts all day. Like, like, sorts. Like, like the other generation used to say. Just out of sorts. What does that mean? Out, out of sorts. Out, sort of what? Sort of fine, sort of okay. Out you're of unsorted. Sorts. Like to me as a computer scientist, I'm Chaos. thinking that you're not in order. Oh. It's like you picked up your hand in cards and there are queens and twos and fours in different places and you haven't sorted them yet. And therefore, you're out of sorts. Easily to fix with the card hand, not so much with life. True. The queens and the kings and the jacks are just all over the place. Not to mention the aces. <laughs> and are the aces high or are the aces low, man? It's like in life. Aces are high, man, unless you're in a certain game. What sort of game is that? A game where the lowest card in your hand is also wild. So if you have a two in your hand and a two on the board, then you've got two wild cards. Yeah, but and when are the aces case, low? And in that case, no. And in that Blackjack. case, if you have in your hand the ace, you can use it as, as low because the low spade wins half the pot. Uh -huh. But if you do that, you cannot also use it in your hand as the high ace. In other words, using the ace as high, I have a royal straight flush. Right. Using the uh, low ace which, right? If you're in the low ace lane. Ace, yeah. a spade flush. Yeah. So that would turn a royal straight flush into just a flush. Hmm. Because the ace would be low and the royal straight flush would need a 10 to be completed because the ace is removed from the mix. So you retain I mean, the, or the dual nature of the ace. You retain the dual nature of the ace, but there's a consequence. I'm just saying blackjack, the ace has a dual nature. Yes, and it's, unlike in blackjack, there's no reason to ever try to play it both ways. It's obvious. It's obvious which way you want it from looking at your hand. Yeah, when I've been teaching my kids blackjack, because they're going to be casino sharks one day, they they are always confused when they have a, an ace and a seven, right? It's like 18 is pretty good, but also maybe you get a, you know, a six and a seven and you get up to 21 or whatever. But Right. Yeah. That's a, right. It's an interesting caveat in that particular game. And how did Speaking we get into this caveats. topic? Speaking of caveats, so we've both seen the conclusion finale. Do we want to jump right into uh, to yes, that? Yes, we do. I, I can't wait. It's, okay, uh, so later I have some personal news and some family news that needs to okay. be covered. So let's well, blo time block that out. Okay, so holy shit, Mayor of Easttown. What a series. So I... In preparation, I listened to a couple of other podcasts. Apparently, there are podcasts, imagine this, that just go through every week whatever happened in a series, in a weekly series thing. I've seen them. Which, which is due to the Netflix effect, where Netflix drops everything all at once. It's mostly HBO shows. And this particular one, they made references to previously having covered the, the undoing, the un... Forgettable, uh, yeah. whatever the other... Worth forgetting, forgettable. actually. Yeah. Yes. Quite worth forgetting. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. But yeah, so let's jump into this. We've seen the final episode, and 
it, to recap our positions last time, because it looks makes me look favorable. You were very convinced. We, were both, that, we both had. We you were very convinced that we both had parts of what we thought would happen. Yes. We're you were so care. convinced that what they had shown on the penultimate episode of Billy being guilty was true, and you were pretty sure that John was going to murder him at the river because John had been part of a threesome with Aaron. And I wasn't so sure about all that, but I and was I said convinced that... the picture that... was of the three of them. Right. And here's a huge thing in your favor. You said the picture was of her and John. I didn't... I don't, I don't know that I said that, but I, I, I was sure that John had been... No, you said it because I okay. crushed you. Okay. So, yes, I, I thought that John had been having relations with Aaron and that I was sure... Well, I wasn't sure. I, and so I suspected that the murderer was Laurie, who had been with us the whole time and brilliantly acted and and with total motive. But, and so one of the podcasts that I listened to actually interviewed both the actress that plays Laurie and the writer of the whole series. And the writer of the whole series talked about how they had to both trick the viewer but also not make the viewer feel too stupid or cheated or cheating too much. Well, and that, I think they did a pretty good job with that. So I, may I on that point? Over to you. Because here was the thing that I said last week when you were saying that Lori did it. I said to you, and you recall this, are you forgetting about the fact that Billy confessed and you waved it off and the image of the scene was John with his hand on Billy's back and neck, very huddled indeed, over, over a kitchen table, kept saying to Billy, I've got to hear you say it. I need to hear you say it. And then Billy finally looks up at him and says, I killed her and burst into, burst tears. into tears. Yep. Of course, what we thought, I thought, obviously, because I said it, which was intended, was that was a confession. Right. And just the most brilliant scene on this point you're making about how to write it in such a way that the twist was perfectly fine, wasn't weird or jaded or a stretch or a, a hammer in the fireplace, as you had uh, mentioned in reference to <laughs> the, the undoing. undoing. The un the, the undo oh my God, there wasn't anything like that. And we could talk a little bit about right. the gun in the shed kind of thing. But the consequence there, of course, is it's a 14-year-old who did it, right? Why did you put 13. the gun back, blah, blah, blah. But in that scene, of course, John was making certain that when Billy said he was going to confess, that he was going to confess as they agreed to be the perpetrator of the murder, not to admit that he was the murderer. And John... Whoa, let's clarify on this. Perpetrator of the murder versus murderer is what? Or the, uh, not the perpetrator of the murder, the, the imposter of the... Perpetrator of the murder of my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. All right, <laughs> Smittix tonight, hello. <laughs> No, yeah, and I suspect we've seen, and also we suspected in the un Doing. whatever unwatchable that that uh, I suspect that more than once in history a parent has admitted to a crime that their kid did yeah. to do the time because that's what a parent. Not that all parents would do that but that some parents might think so lowly of themselves and so highly of their kids that they might, you know, fall on that sword. So in that way, it's understandable. But I specifically, well, first of all, and some of the other discussions I've heard about this final episode reference this, is how quickly they moved through 
John's trial and conviction, and everything was all wrapped up in the lovely bow by the midway point of the episode. Yes, and which, good point, which, which means of that, that there was a twist coming. But that, I don't know, I remember when John was, he had a specific line where Mare was questioning him about, what did the gun look like? And he was like, uh-huh. yeah, just a hand, just typical a regular handgun. handgun. Like a handgun, like all the handguns are. so quick, Mare. Yeah, and that was the moment when it was really clear to me that this was a bullshit confession. Right, the, the, at the dinner party, she is listening to her husband Frank, her ex-husband Frank, say the thing that made no sense was that night that he apparently that he said that he killed her. He came to pick them up, and he was in a, a great mood and laughing and telling That jokes, was one of the clues, yes. Singing songs, and with the astounding acting that is in that show, that moment when she blinks, just blinks, screws up her lip a little bit and blinks, you knew because you knew Mary by that time that she had just filed that away. Yeah. And she was going to, she wasn't even sure what she filed away, but she was going to pull it out later. Um, and it it seemed, so you know, part of me as a whodunit consumer wants there to be all the clues so that I can figure it out before the yeah, protagonist I, I, does. I, I but, thought about you saying however, that. But, the, but however, you also need, especially in this in this scenario where we talk about the crime and then the the investigation is looking at the past behind the crime with interview, interviewing people, et cetera, et cetera, which is the way investigations work and who does its work. It makes sense that there would be some clue that is that comes forth later that you couldn't have known but be, like if you're following along with mayor uh, she couldn't have known because she's in theory as smart as all of us or more and so if we had all the information before this episode she would have figured it out but the i don't know first of all the acting around that boy and the mayor knows oh my god mayor knows just blew me away like he, he he was a child that had committed a mistaken murder and knew he was so in trouble. did what the kid did, which is why it was so important for for John to protect him, was that right. it wasn't just an accident. The murder was actually perfectly described by John in the jail about what had happened. I went there, I, I had a gun, I just meant to scare her, and we struggled, and the gun went off, and I shot her, and then I just lost it, and I shot her again. Right. And she said, where? And he- In the face. He, yeah. In the face, but it actually, that's not as accurate as it might have been. The, because where she was shot was above her, her right eyebrow in the head. Yeah, and, it was a forehead. And Braining. the general thing of the face, this wasn't something that he couldn't remember. This was what was never explained, unless you tell me that it was, and I missed it, was that what, a couple of things, that what they did when they went to- He and Billy went to clean up, up the scene, right. they went to go clean it up, and then they took her clothes off and threw her body onto the rocks. Right. Set her body, anyway, however sure. you want to describe it. But their crime, is so serious that catches the same penalty as the perpetrator or the person who did it, either, either one. That was a thing that, that immediately following, I, I was thinking, if John didn't do it, then he should go free. But then I realized that no, John and Billy 
and they actually referenced Billy getting out after so many months because they helped obscure. I don't know what the, te- the legal term is. They helped cover up the, the falsify falsify the crime. So it, but presumably that's like a matter of months, and then he's going to get out, and that family shit. But the what did I want to talk about? The okay. So one problem that I had with the script, one hole that I I couldn't figure out was the way that Mare discovered the gun and on second watch the moment where he says this was a detective issue cult or whatever it was and she looks up at him like can you show me this gun and and then he says oh and there were two rounds missing but what i don't understand is he's talking about and she, he calls him he calls her over because he's just lonely he's missing things he's well he, primarily pizza. Pizza, he's lonely pizza. he's a widower and he wants confirmation here he wants to know is does this grief get better and she says, no, he learned to live with the unacceptable. So do you remember the scene earlier and, in the series of him and his wife, the then deceased wife, early on, like second, first episode, maybe? First episode. I just was, while I was waiting for this call to start, I was watching their first episode, and I saw the time when she was called over uh, to their house ah, to look at But that their, was at, at his perp. house. And yeah. She erased the, the tape of the... Yes. The kid, because she thought this is ridiculous. Yeah. I don't, I... But he called her over not to talk about a missing gun, but to talk about loss and grief. And also, I lost my I lost my Eagles mug that was super important to me. And one day it was just gone. And then I lost this other thing and this other thing. And my gun was missing. I have to I got to disagree with you a little bit there. This is what I think is well, that it certainly was a motive from him as a lonely recently made widower who wanted to talk it but he did call her to talk about specifically things that had been missing and the his interest in talking to her about the gun far outstripped anything else on his little list because he only said three things okay that he was missing so i think that there was that expectation on his part not no intention as you say but allow me to get to the plot hole the plot hole was he said, I remember going out there because I had to do a thing to get a tool for the deck and the gun was there. And then I went out another time and the gun wasn't there. And I thought, that's weird. The gun disappeared. And then I went out another, a third time and the gun was there. So that's, that, that's great. But then we hear and more or less see, I guess we don't see the return of the gun on the footage. But Ryan, the murderer, tells us that... He rode his bike over to the old guy's house, got the gun, went to the park, shot Aaron, came back, and and then that same night returned the gun back. to where it was. So, it doesn't make sense to me that the old man ever saw the gun missing. No, I think, I, 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 I think the writers just fucked up on this. I disagree. Let me tell you why. <laughs> so it's the night before the murder, huh. and he like he, he does quite frequently he goes to the shed for something like he off, off, often does the kid went as we would too. at midnight you no know, follow me it's okay. the day before he goes out he gets a tool yeah and he sees that his gun is there because when he goes in the shed occasionally he looks at one of as an old man does go to all, shed as, as do, you can you can you, confirm maybe, or maybe as you will when you become as you do and he establishes that the gun is there then the next uh, day he wakes up like a lot of old people do at 5 a.m no, I, I, he, what time do we think that Ryan returned? What time was the murder? 
Well, the murder he, was he got like, the gun around midnight. Killed and took it back Aaron. at about three in the morning. Yeah, you're right then. Okay, I'm just you're saying. right then. Yeah, there's a plot hole, but I don't care because it's such a great right. And th- so, the what I love the final episode is so great. I love, for example, the scene where Mare forgives her mother for being such a terrible mother. Like they have this little heart to heart there in some bar somewhere where. Where her mother says, "Look, your father was a jerk, and I took some of that out, out on you." And I'm and sorry. I was angry all of the time. And yes, and I'm sorry for that. And Mayor says it's okay, and I forgive you. But then there's this overtone of, "You need to forgive yourself for your son, Kevin, maybe." Kevin, yeah. And to which Mayor is, "I'm not ready for that." But yeah. Then I also love that. So a lot of the stuff I've read about this series has been referring to how it deals with the opioid crisis, which I'm somewhat removed from over here in Spain. But now that I think about it, the because I just watched the first episode, I remember his name. Freddy was, had an opioid problem, as does the mother of the kid that Mayor wants custody of. And... Um. D, what's his name? Yeah, not DJ, the other one. And it's, and her, in this final episode where she says, look, I'm trying, but I can't. And Mare says, look, I know that you love him. And the mother says, you must be happy about this. And Mare says, look, I'm happy that the kid is getting cared for. Whether or not it's you or me, I just want the kid to be cared for. And so anyway, that was a nice scene. The writing excelled the emotional background of every single primary character and the depth of the mayor's depravity over the loss of her son is so understandable and so perfectly tuned and played yes she is in absolute disbelief and just won't even go there to in order to cope she has suspended the grieving process at the first at the very first stage hmm. But her acting is so expressionful with her face, her look, her demeanor. It's a characterization that, that is just it's just astounding. Yeah, so it's a, I think it's the best thing I, that she's done. And that's saying something. I expect Emmys for for Winslet and the Laurie actress as well. Um, Nicholson. Julie Nicholson. Yes. That they were they were just fantastic and so in this podcast that i heard of an interview with the nicholson they asked so apparently when they shoot these miniseries they and i've heard of this for all movies and whatever they shoot them all out of order like they they figure out like you might be shooting on one given day you might be shooting something from the first episode and the last episode on the same day and and so they asked her about this moment in the car at the end where where she was like I saw that my it, Ryan yes. my Ryan my Ryan yes and and she lost it yeah and she it was pretty astounding yeah that was just like f- f- fucking fantastic acting now wasn't she in the other the yes the others yes no the and I mistook her for somebody else yeah in the yeah the other it might have been called um, Stephen King yeah yeah and she said 
that was actually one of the first things that we filmed. But because they had read the whole script, like she knew what was going on, yeah. and also it was a super cold day, and et cetera, et cetera. But apparently she and Kate Winslet are like friends in life. Uh -huh. Like Kate, Kate attended her wedding and is like the godmother to her daughter or whatever. And like they're actually besties in real life, which made their chemistry so much more spectacular. And she, I guess it was there when I heard that Kate Winslet, who was like, who was one of the ex executive producers and was m very much r controlling the show as it was being filmed she had these binders full of of the timeline and stuff and whenever they were filming one thing she could come in and say well, actually despite the fact that we filmed all of this other stuff in the future in the episode future we don't know that yet so we can't really re refer to that or whatever so apparently she's super detail oriented and uh, focused on, on stuff like that so here's a question for you and this is as close to the hammer in the fireplace as I can get. Why? Dishwasher. Dishwasher. The hammer, the dishwasher, but it was also that he hit it in the fireplace, if I recall, the outdoor fireplace. Fine. Ridiculous. Jesus Christ. But where Billy comes home to his father's house, covered in bloody clothes, and apparently is washing bloody clothes, and the question, is he just absolutely out of his head? Well, why is he washing these bloody clothes? Why isn't he doing whatever he one knows to do when you commit a murder is to burn the clothes. And yet he comes home and, and covered in blood and in all the pre in all the stuff they do to cover Billy's up... not smart. No. Welcome to the How is, to Commit a John Murder podcast. Is, and the fact... That, you know, rule number one, burn your the clothes. Fact that, the fact that... Uh, Come home naked. Uh, that was part of the plan that John was in on. So it isn't just about Billy. And it could be chalked up to they're out of their head. Like when the cop asked Ryan, why did you take the gun back? And he said, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I guess I was just scared. And you'd expect that from a 14-year-old. But Billy's showing up to 13. wash clothes. Okay, why look, did you do that? So this was one of the things that annoyed me about the previous episodes. Was that this had happened. And then it was just the old man decided to confide in someone that, oh, yeah, I saw Billy with... Some bloody clothes. Like it's like he told the he told mayor, right? Mayor or, or somebody. Like it, it. Who did he tell? Yeah. So like we could have had that information before, but then he like sat on it for a while and then he released it in a way that he did tell mayor in his in his living room, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, he couldn't live with it another second. Okay. That yeah. was what was driving a lot of this movie was people just not being able to live with something for another second, just exploding out of their skull it's gotta something's gotta change something's gotta happen okay so back to your catholic roots how about the sermon oh gosh where the priest says look i know that a lot of you don't appreciate me anymore and you think that you might i don't know you have you, hesitations you, you might have hesitations but but what i loved about that was this inclusion of he said look we are a community and there are people among us who have been pushed away from the community and maybe for good reason, maybe for not, but it's not our job to make that choice. We need to welcome them back. And pretty clearly that is what caused uh, Mayor to go and give Lori a good old hug. Well, and I'm glad you raised that scene because it was poignant in that poignant. when Mayor was in the church 
and had a demeanor which she had never had. Also, why the fuck is Mayor in church? Let's, why, let's question that. Mayor doesn't go to church. She does now. She did for this service. She didn't. No. But for the return of this particular... I don't imagine. That church was packed for a reason. Yes. This was a, this was a huge event for this priest to come and for give the, the sermon. And yes. everyone knew it was coming because it was printed in the bulletin. Uh-huh. So she showed up anyway in a mood that you hadn't seen her, which was at once calm and pensive and peaceful. You not once saw her in the movie with any sense of that. And there she was holding her grandson, who's, I, I want to say his name is Josh. but And I love that. And the fact that, as you obviously are so right, and, and she acted on it, not only with Julie, but also there was a, a scene before she went to Julie's house where she was, was a, I can't remember who it was. Though. Was it her mother? Yes, she went to her or mother. did she go to prison and see? No. But the forgiveness culminated, obviously, with, and which is, you know, the deep message. Yes. And... and it was so, a beautiful. It was a beautiful way to end the series on the powerful, the most powerful of all of its strings of attachment to us, which was the emotional string, rather than on the who done it string. Which, and I want to raise a point about your earlier point about the type of detective series you like. But anyway, that was my kind of conclusion. I I thought it was pretty pretty close to impeccable, and I think you're right as far as awards, and hands down, best actress, Kate Winslet, hands. Hands down, no question. Let's, who knows what else comes along? But so apparently, the end of the script was supposed to be with Mare and Laurie collapsed in their kitchen, which which the actress that played Laurie had described as we had to take twenty five takes because we were like up and then we were down and we were collapsing and we were under here, uh, which I thought was funny. But so the the article that I sent you that you could not read because the New York Times yeah, had a paywall described how how Kate had done all of this research to to appear as if she was from Philly and one of the things that she did was like she walked around and you know talked to the locals and but apparently she's like vegan or something and so whenever she was eating her hoagies or her Philly yeah. cheese steaks, they were made of fake cheese and steak and stuff. <laughs> and it was just like, ah, man, uh, whatever. But so, what did you think of? What did you think later after the fact of the pre- the premonition? It's not the right word for uh, uh, what novelists do when they write screenwriters, but the, the setting of the event when Ryan became so incensed at the berating and the, the making fun of his sister. Yes, that he attacked the boy. And the beating continued for a pretty uncomfortable few longer than what you knew was normal in retrospect. Otherwise, I wouldn't have remembered that scene. Yeah. In, in retrospect, it was quite the, what's the word I want? The, signaling. The, yeah, that describes yeah. it, but there's a particular word of that. I, mean, I can't, but anyway. Premonitioning. No. Yes. So, uh, look, I imagine that most kids that have a younger sister especially one that is special needs special needs that they must be extremely sensitive to that yeah fury was notable and and the asshole that was picking on her deserved more than what he would received so yeah i don't know i don't think you can condemn someone for being violent if they if if they watch violence occur to someone that they love and then deliver a response i don't know right yeah it was it was very 
well done. I love a series where I just can't wait to see the next episode. Yes. I just can't wait. I, it, and it's funny in these COVID pandemic times, of course, that because we've been so isolated that these are the events that we look forward to, like what we used to look forward to as a get-together or a oh, night out at the We used the to look forward to getting to, to the next episode of whatever. I disagree with that. But so the Kate Winslet said that she, that when she first saw some of the early cuts of the series, they had edited out some of her flaws. They had like taken away some of her wrinkles and in the sex scene with uh, Guy Pierce, like they had taken away some of her extra belly and she had, she fought very much against that. She said, uh-huh. I'm 40 fucking six years old. Right. Show me as I am. I know right. all, my, all of my flaws. I know right what I am and this particular character should be even older than I look. Yeah. 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 And, should look older than I look. Right. And, and so obviously whenever she appears in some magazine article or whatever, like they've, it's all extra painted up, but she, in fact, one of the, one of the pictures you saw of her in the feeds about the show. And in fact, the picture of her on HBO, when you go to the cast and you click on cast, the picture of her in that is from a fashion magazine and it, it for no other reason it's striking and did you see or just hear the interview with julie nicholson i heard so i saw it and in the video she is completely made up as an actress would be and it's pretty remarkable with her because as a freckle her face is just completely She's... freckled when she applies makeup those freckles are gone she doesn't look like that. In this series, she does. She looks as old as she can be. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so now I'm, I've got to search for a, for a replacement. I got into the Kevin Bacon series, City on a Hill, that his wife, Kyra Sedgwick, is directing. And that series, I went into the fifth episode. And I so dis it's so odd, but I so dislike Kevin Bacon's character in the series that I stopped watching it. I thought, well, isn't that a shame that because you like the protagonist as you're supposed to not like the protagonist in the whole series is based on what a dick he is that that dulls your interest in, in wanting to see it but so i'm thinking maybe it's something else yeah we'll figure out something else to watch together until you so, can fucking figure out netflix i know i my life's a mess so I, i've got all sorts of technical issues that need to be addressed my my so, my internet is slow as shit all I got to do is unplug the thing and take a minute to reboot it. And if not, then call the help desk. And I can't seem to focus on, on getting it done. I do, however, have, have, I, I have a fence story for you when you're ready, but to let you know, I did my homework and my note to myself said words. Okay. So man, we've spent a bunch of time on East town. I have oh, yes. two pieces of news. And Let's then... go with your news. Let's go with your news. So personal and family. Personal and family. Nicely done. So personal news is I have hurt myself. My right arm, whenever I am, for some reason, not right now when I'm podcasting, but if I ever try and do any work with my right arm, I have this shooting pain down my, down the top of my arm and then my forearm. Is it when you lift your arm up over your head that this pain happens like this? No, it's not. It's whenever it? I it's whenever I put my hand down to type at the keyboard. Oh, oh and however, there's also this constant pain here when I'm not doing anything and I'm concerned because I make my living having a keyboard. You need a steroid shot to start with. Right. I've been taking 
ibuprofen to reduce the swelling, and I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow and a physiotherapist appointment tomorrow as well. To see will they force you to do physiotherapy before they give you a shot, or will they do I what good medicine would do, which is to immediately d decrease the inflammation by a shot rather than force you to go through physical therapy in order to prove the need for the shot? I will report back next week. I think uh, you should be demanding. I want to be your. I want to be your medical coach. Okay. Hey, listen. Invite me to join your interview with the your time with the doctor virtually. Okay. And I'll join by phone. Just say. Back, I've got a medical, this is perfectly within your rights. I have a medical advocate and I'd like to get him on the phone and let me handle it. Great. If he doesn't give you a shot. You can start. talk to him in English as much as you would like. Um, no, I'll learn Spanish. How much time do I have? 13 hours? I don't know. Bad. Yeah. So there's that, which has actually stopped me from working. Like I can't work. Yeah. Oh, man. So I've been on, on sick leave basically because I can't fucking sit at the computer and type so yeah and which is why close examiners to our feed will notice that our last episode went out very late because i was resting but so there's that and to get back to family matters uh, have, we have a new member of the family you have a new pet dog so close cat cat oh. we have a cat Oh, that's right. You're cat people. That's right. Well, cat is quieter. I'm cat not. Cat is quieter. I am. I. I. Hey, look. If I had to choose, I'm a dog person. But if I had to choose, what level of requirements I need in my life, I'm going to choose a cat, because a cat, you've got your litter box, and that's about it. With a dog, and I see all the poor dog people walking have, their dog. They have to. Like, so we live in, in, in high-rise apartments, right? So people come, people have to take their dogs out and they walk them around. And then 90% of them pick up their dog shit in a, with, uh -huh. their, with their plastic bag. And that's their life. Do you but, know that people who have dogs live longer than people who don't? No. Yes. Google that as a simple statement of medical fact in its simplicity. And okay. see if, in fact, that I'm correct. Okay. I won't do that, but exercise for the listener. So we, my, so our nanny has some cats at her rural sort of farmhouse that she, to my mind, irresponsibly does not spay or neuter. And so their cat, they don't, they honestly don't know where these kittens have come from. It's like, hmm. it, it might've been from this mother or from this father or from this mother or from this father, but we have some, some kittens. And I, my kids have been asking for a cat for many, many, many years. And my wife has basically said no for the whole time. And I finally decided, look, I'm the one that spends most of the time at home. I wouldn't mind having a little kitty here to mm -hmm. keep me company. And so I sort of maneuvered the agreement that yes we could potentially have one kids love it huh and they look we got it yesterday uh -huh. and uh, it spent all night crying oh, no. <laughs> well no, no that's, that's what kitties do that's yeah, what little yeah. kittens do and you zip come here kitty 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 no, no, no. like we left it in a room and it spent all night crying and however the, the crazy thing is that I went down, like I, I got up at 3 a.m. and I went downstairs to where, to the bathroom where the cat was. 
And I was like, okay, let's see how you're doing down here. And I could not find the motherfucking thing. Oh, no. It was not there. I had heard it all night long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I came down, and it was not there. And I was like, okay, this doesn't make sense. I'm going to... The goldfish flushed the kitty down the toilet. Right. So that. So I was like, I guess tomorrow I'll get up and tell the kids that we don't have a cat anymore. Well, and so, so I closed the door as I had because the door is closed. Like the cat could not get out of the bathroom. And I was walking back upstairs to go to bed. And I heard the meow. Like, what the fuck? And so I came back down and I opened the door and I waited and I heard meow. It was clearly in the fucking bathroom. And turns out it was back behind our bidet. That's a very Spanish thing that we have that no one, as I know, uses. Like, there's the toilet, and then there's the bidet that is basically just a little lowered sink where there's water comes out. Don't you and hang your ass over? In theory, but, like, in, I don't know how it works. Like, I honestly don't understand. <laughs> you have one. Maybe you should research it a little bit. No, Maybe but... Just but, what you needed if you walk around smelling like ass. Yeah, but, but, like, I've thought about it, and it doesn't make any sense. So, like, because you have to, like, take your pants out from under your, I don't know. Anyway, so our house was built with this. And right. our bidet has this hollow part inside of it. It's, it, imagine a, a toilet seat that has a part underneath it that is horseshoe shaped. And underneath it is where all the pipes are. But there's this hollow part under, underneath. And I had never, ever considered that that part was hollow. But, of course, it was. And so the cat was under there for... Oh. No kidding. Yeah. And then we spent, like, we spent more time than we should have. Like, we should have just reached in there and grabbed the little bastard and pulled him out. But every time I got close, he was like, and I, like, hissing as a kitten would. Yeah. Right? And Mild. Right. And I wasn't concerned that he was going to bite my finger off or anything like that. But I also wanted, naively in retrospect I wanted to perf- like not give him like trauma when he was in my right. home not and on, certainly not on the certainly not on the first night not, not, not right so anyway I left him in there and then the next day the nanny came where she had she knows his mother and siblings and whatever and she just reached the fuck in there and pulled him out yeah. and now I know after the first day which today is the first day now I know that anytime he is in any sort of corner and you want to grab him, no matter how much he loves you, he's going to go... You grab him by the scruff of his back of his neck. Yeah, but still, anytime yeah. he feels threatened, he's yes, going to do that sound. God. But anyway, I learned that there is a there is a little hole in my house that... You did not know. Now you can hide your clean. stuff in there. Hide whatever you want to hide. Now we your can money. hide if we weren't going to this episode. Yes, that... Hey, it could be the vault. Hey, look, man, if anyone anyone listens to this, then they can come and rob my 10,000 euros that I am keeping in my bidet. Well, hey, so I got to fit in a fence story because you'll appreciate this. Tell me. So the fence is laid and because of the downhill slope of my driveway from my house to my shed, the fence increases in length from 710 at the house to 86 at the shed, which is an eight-inch drop or an eight-inch slope. And so when I laid the fence and I set the fence posts straight and I built the fence to them, 
I was able to lengthen the boards as the fence went downhill. And as keeping them straight, they were straight to the house and the shed, and they were also conforming to the slope. Now, when I built the first door, which you recall in vivid detail, I wedged I do. the frame of the door into the fence and built the door as if it were part of the fence. So it had the same exact starting and ending point from what was level and what was parallel and what it looked like so that it could match the fence as best. When I did the sliding door the other day, I didn't build it up in the air. I built it on the ground like a puzzle and I built it perfectly square, but it wasn't square to the slope. Well, and so as a result, I had a fence that showed itself as very straight and a door, which was also straight, but looked like it was hanging on an angle because the straight of the door didn't match the straight of the fence. So I had to take the sliding door apart so that all was left was the hinges holding the boards. But it was one of those things where we had our first family get together out in our new uh, patio. And I commented on the fact that I was unhappy that it was crooked. And a couple of people, of course, said what you'd expect because no one will notice it but you. No, it's fine, thought, Dennis. Well, but you just, really, you're great, Dennis. This is the way we it starts you, is that it matters to me. Yeah. And so to make matters worse, my wife, as my wife would do, mentioned how crooked it was. To make matters worse, my times. wife. <laughs> and then laughed and chuckled every time she said it because she knew that she was compelling me to fix it. Not because she cared whether it was crooked or not, but she knew that in my compulsive behavior that I'd have to. It took me six hours to take it apart and put it back together again. And it's mm. now lying perfectly straight against it. It's a hard thing to consider that straight isn't always straight. One straight what? isn't straight to another straight. What? The fence is straight like this, and the door, as it turns yeah. out, is straight like this. Oh, my God. Okay. Fix, mm. though. That made sense. In what you can't. So I thought you could do, show. Do you have photos? I thought you could show images on our thing. Isn't that what your show notes yeah. are? Is images and stuff. You did. You, yeah. Take a picture of this. Ready? No. No. Freeze frame. So you have photos to send me? No, I didn't. I didn't take photos of this endeavor. Get your shit together tomorrow. Well, tell me the odd thing was that when I had to redo the fence, mm -hmm. it went from an interesting and a rather enjoyable job. Mm -hmm. to one that just became slightly annoying. So celebratory pictures were not. I will take you a picture like of the finished podcast. product because I want to show you, for your reference, you'll see the, uh, just remember this, the notched boards that I used to tie it all together. Notched boards. Notched. So I just, I have, for the next several episodes, I have a new series that we'll introduce sort of like the guinness book of world records which you started and then you were we were going to go back to it we never did the 100 teens were in oh the mermaids was the last guinness book of world records so you remember our friend joe bethany who in the interview we had with him in episode number i want to guess blah, 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 86 being sure. my guess we discussed his novel coventry which is set in a prison in north carolina where he and i at different times worked and then worked together down there and I wanted to describe in the series, I want to describe and give you a quote that do what we had just discussed last week, what a, a powerful novel does in yes. a poetic fashion is give you an image that is so striking 
that it sets the stage for so much more when you're reading it. And in this, this is early, and this is up, it is chapter three. Joe is introducing the character of McGregor Gady, who is an old time prison guy back in the Depression, who became famous, absolutely famous, if not infamous, for his ability to find and track escaped inmates. Mm-hmm. And as you will hear later on in some, in, in, as the episodes continue, that he does it with a, a strange man by the name of Frank. Who can who can sniff out escaped convicts, who is referred to as the Hound Boy? But this quote sets the stage for McGregor McGregor Gady, okay. and just briefly, and then I'll leave you with this to to think about, and we'll comment. This is how the novel describes him looking for these escapees. McGregor Gady would throw rocks. He would do whatever. His temper was exquisite, ingenious. If he were holding a gun, he'd shoot. Spraying pheasant shot with both barrels, the convict would jump, his leg bicycling in midair, come down in the weeds, his shanks and loins punctured with growing red periods. He would throw rocks. He hit a convict with a dog once, beat another with a live black snake. He'd run him down with the truck, throw himself on him from the speeding vehicle, pound him with his fists with a coffee pot, never saying a word. Few of them tested him, but came on out. Solomon's church and surrendered at the sight of him. Nice. Powerful. Uh He hit him with a dog once. One time, he slapped him with a black snake. How? Amen. We can take it by just because the one time I didn't. Yeah. <sighs> 